So, for the eighth time, for the <laughs> cheers to another year, buddy. My man. Yeah. All right. So, we have this beautiful, long-standing tradition of doing our top ten. Uh, it's not the end of the year, but like it's the end of the it's the end of the fiscal year for the rollback. <laughs> Our fiscal year starts in uh, February, February 1st. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so we said that after the Oscar nominations would come out, we would do our top 10 of 2023. And I don't know if this makes sense, man, but 2023 was one for the books. Like, oh man, <laughs> I cannot, but like, think about it this way. This year, we had new movies from Gerwig, Scorsese. Uh, uh, Fincher, uh, Miyazaki, uh, fucking, uh, uh, Nolan, you know, we had like the return of all of these amazing directors. We had franchises that came back. Weirdly enough, the most popular things kind of took a down, kind of took a back seat. The superhero went to the back and at the front there was Barbie and there was Oppenheimer and we had so much. We had so much this year. This was a great year for movies because it was so stupidly diverse. Horror movies were good. Comedy movies were funny. Action movies were, you know, bombastic. Dramas were were hard beating. Animation was at right at the top of its game. Um, people went to the theaters. People celebrated movies this year. People dressed up for the theater this year. This was such a great experience. This was such a great year for movies. And we did not miss a single week, I think. And uh, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. And this was the year also that we started to, I think, finally land a good following. I think we finally have like good strong numbers where there's finally starting to feel tangible. And this was a heck of a year, man. Uh, so I just want to say, like, a little, little little pat on the back for everyone. That finally, like, it's it's 100% completely safe to be back in theaters now. I think the stigma has gone away uh, of, of the fear of COVID. And this is the year where I can finally say, man, we are so back. I... I'm so happy. This year made me so happy. Making a top 10 was hard. Making a top 15 was hard. So I can't believe that we're doing this. I'm so excited. How do you feel just summing up this, this 2023 year in movies? So, and and I, I will completely agree with you on this one. You're yeah. right. This is where I would say we found our stride. Because uh, just to give you an idea... We, we've been around for what? This is our... We started in what? 2020? Right? 2020, yeah. All right. So, to 21, to 22, to 23, 24. Four years. We've been active for four years. Three years. I mean, 2024 just began. Like... Uh, oh, okay, fine. Three years. So, yeah, we've racked up more views in this last year. We racked up about 60% of our total overall views in yeah. the last year alone. Particularly since May. Like, we shot the fuck up a lot. And we're... Played in countries we frankly have no business being in. Iran, Greece, Colombia, Russia. I know I did this once. Argentina. Um, 
Israel, Denmark, uh, South Korea, believe it or not, Croatia, Belgium, Poland, Japan, Brazil. Like, I think we've actually gotten a little following going. We've our YouTube channel uh, grew by fifty percent in a month this past month. So it's amazing. It's I, amazing. Finally, this hard work is paying off in a way, and uh, it feels great to hear that. And it feels great to be sitting here with you and doing this for the eighth year in a row. <laughs> Jesus. Are you old yet? Not, don't, I uh, should be asking you that. Uh, oh, uh, just because of all my damn gray hair? Yeah. I mean, you are older than me, so. Not by much. Wait, by much? Wait, when were you born? You're like a full year older than me because you're December. 93. I'm November. I'm November 94. So yeah, it's like a full year. Son of a bitch. You're younger than Nikki. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, you're slight, you know, Nikki was born in October. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, God. I, I would have to say you're right. This year in movies was very entertaining, very good. I saw way more good movies than okay, let alone bad films. Trust me, there were some bad ones. Don't go watch uh, Night Swim. But there were definitely a lot more bright spots than not. Even on streaming, which... I know that's a bad word as far as like movies are concerned, but even streaming films, I think the quality got better to a certain degree. Not Lyft. Lyft sucks. But like other streaming films, like we're actually pretty fucking rock solid. I'll give them that. Um, we were, we had a heck of a year and I cannot, I cannot wait to see what 2024 has in store. So how about we just get this shit started? Um, do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, up to you. Uh, do you want to start with honorable mentions, or when do you want to do that part? I'll start with a couple of honorable mentions just to just to get them out of the way. Um, the last cut that I did from my list uh, was "Talk to Me." "Talk to Me" was super fun, super incredible, super original. I'm glad that these these kids from YouTube got like the A24 budget and the the golden ticket of an opportunity, and they delivered such an original piece. So I loved it. Uh, the boy and the heron. I I finally saw it. It's incredible. It's it's everything that that, that Miyazaki is and represents. Um, I, I simply adored it. Uh, Blue Beetle. This one hurt to cut from the list because I loved it. I loved everything it represents. Uh, I, I had such a blast. Four things. I just saw it. I literally just saw it like last weekend. And man, what! One of the most original, if not the most original movie of the year. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely insane. Don't watch it with family. If possible, watch <laughs> it by yourself. Do not watch this with family. Please, for the love of God, don't watch this with family. Um, Kaguya-sama Love is War, the movie. Uh, this was at the beginning of the year, and it was such a blast. It's one of my favorite anime of all time. So the fact that a full arc got a movie... Uh, it was great to see in theaters also. Scream 6 was great. I think my favorite Scream movie ever. But as the final Scream movie that's going to be, I mean, it's it, it's a great way to end things. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, again, also a great way to go out. One of the most fun Marvel movies in memory. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh adore this style of animation i'm so glad it's popular i'm so glad it's a big thing i saw this three times in theaters and i don't regret a single one 
the holdovers, which was uh, also like super nostalgic and super soft, and uh, I adored it. Wonka, which uh, had a great soundtrack and a beautiful performance by by uh, by by Timmy Chie. Uh, yeah, I think everything else was good. Like there were a lot of movies that I enjoyed, but that wouldn't end up on a list or like in a or or like in a. Uh, uh, or like an honorable mention, but like other movies were great. Like the Super Mario Brothers movies was great. Uh, Evil Dead Rise was great. Saltburn was pretty good. The Dungeons and Dragons movie was great. Theater Camp, I had such a blast. Uh, I like the Hunger Games. I like the new Hunger Games. I like Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, I just rewatched Mission and Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Reckoning Part One. It's so fun. It's such like that's one of those movies that I'm like, yeah, this is cinema. Like, fuck yeah, this is this is great. Um, Saw 10 was good, John Wick Chapter 4, Elemental, uh, Creed 3, uh, uh, fuck it, uh, They Clone Tyrone on Netflix, also great, Flaming Hot, Bo is Afraid, uh, I watched a ton of these movies, and, uh, Waseda, Waseda was a great one too, um, but yeah, I think those, those would be like the movies that I saw during the year that I loved, and the first that I mentioned, uh, were my honorable mentions, so yeah, that, that's, Everything else we're gonna talk about it in a bit, but yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my that's my backlog. Yeah, um, I and this is in genuinely in no particular order. Uh, you covered yeah. a few of them, but I'll mention them again. There's yeah. Creed three. I remember the first Creed and the second Creed were both in my top tens last time. This one still great, but the bar was significantly higher this time around. Uh, the holdovers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Shizu, which is one that you didn't have, I really enjoyed it. It was stupid, but it was fun, and I liked it. Um, totally Killer, Haunting in Venice. Don't hate me for this one. The Flash. It's an honorable mention. It's not my top ten. It's an honorable mention, yeah. I had fun. I get why other people didn't. Transformers Rise of the Beasts, actually. I thought it was fun up until the third act. They dropped the ball a little, but I actually liked how fun it was. Um, Wonka, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um... I get why it's so acclaimed. It's just should have had more Lily Gladstone. But that's just me. Uh, Scream Six, Talk to Me, Nimona, and Saw Ten. Uh, I'm sure there are okay. several others that I'm missing right now. These are just ones that I can come up of uh, with the top of my head. And we did have some overlap, actually, in honorable mentions. Um, but yeah. if I can give the most honorable of mentions to, I guess, an honorable number eleven, if it would have been, it would be Flaming Hot. Cause that, that oh, yeah. fucking made me proud. Like it, it reminded me of family. It felt relatable. Um, I understood the whole concept of like doing what you have to for your family and stuff like that. And again, that one scene where he calls his wife and says, "Honey, we're gonna need more ties." I cried because that is a great fucking story. So this is one of my favorite parts of this. Mm-hmm. It's when we say honorable mentions, and I go. What the fuck? I thought those were gonna be on your list. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, shit. What is gonna be on your list? Because I was for sure thinking like, oh, he's gonna have Flaming Hot and the Holdovers in his list, and like, you don't. Oh my god, this is gonna be interesting. Uh, I'll be be very straight up here. A lot of these are not necessarily movies that I would call like the best of the year, but if they have a sentimental reason, they're on the list. Of course. Like, like sentimentality plays as much of a role for me when it comes to movies as the quality of the film itself. Like, if I watched it with family or friends, or it was a particular night, or it just hit right that day, like, uh, yeah, 
I think one time my number one was Batman and Harley Quinn. It's not a particularly great movie, but I was just in a really bad spot and it let me forget about all my problems for a few hours. So that's why it was of my course. number one. Like, you know, yeah. so yeah, this yeah. shit's going to get interesting. Um, this is going to be fun. So should I start? Please, you're number 10. All right, number 10. Uh, Eddie, I have a... I we've had this this constant not argument but like we have an ongoing conversation about parenthood and about being a dad and how much I say that I don't want to but that you say that you do and this is a thing that we sometimes talk about and I just want to say that as much as I don't want to be a father anytime soon I do have some dad characteristics and some dad enjoyments and this is a weird way of saying that my number 10 is probably the most dad movie of the year, and that is Air. Fucking Of course it is. Air, Air was such a tight little piece of writing, a tight little piece of acting, a movie that really did not need to be as good as it was, a movie that did not need the attention of all of these famous people, and a movie that was could have been very easily dumb, but the fact that they made a movie about the creation of the Air Jordan, and it was as riveting and as entertaining, and the ending made you feel good. Uh, like, like I like a good biopic, and I like like the story behind the story. So the fact that we had like all of these very interesting people just shooting this really sharp dialogue, and probably one of the most '80s movies that I've ever seen. Like, this is how good the movie was. I know what the Air Jordan One looks like. I own a couple of Air Jordan Ones. I went with my sister. We're both we're both a bit a bit uh, a bit like uh, sneakerheads. Yeah. And when they were hiding the shoe, like when they were going to do the presentation, everyone in the theater, we were all like, "Oh my god, what's it gonna look like?" We know what it looks like, but we were still so excited. Where is it? Where is it? I was, I, I was literally wearing like one of my Jordan ones, like to work. Like I, I I'm holding one in my hand, like. <laughs> Like, I love this idea. And the fact that it had us at the edge of our seats, like, oh my God, are they going to show the shoe? We know what the shoe looks like. But we were still so hyped because the movie made us that hype. This movie came out early in the year. And, you know, the stars are directed by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's in it and, and Viola Davis is in it. And uh, J- and Jason, and, uh, Jason uh, forgot his last name. Uh, Jason Bateman is in it. And it's so like it's such a good movie to watch, either in theaters or at home. It's a perfect stream watch. It's perfect to watch with your family. It's a great movie. It's all around great. It's not about the end of the world, but it's a it's a movie that shows like a lot of numbers and history and about something. Sometimes things that are not as important end up being a bit important in that moment. And in that moment, all that mattered is if he was gonna take. Uh, their offer. Even though we all knew that he was going to take their offer, it was great to see it happen. So yeah, my number 10 is Air. Okay. All right. I I completely understand. I've, I didn't forget about it. I saw, it. I saw it pop up when I was running through to try and put my list together and I remember thinking, I liked it, but I don't know if it's my best of the year. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, but I completely understand. If, if Air's your number 10, Air's honorable mention on my end. It was really good. Um, yeah. Uh, but for my number ten, I'm gonna go with a sentimental one. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Really, Five Nights at Freddy's is a sentimental one. Yes, because it's a personal choice. It was good. It was funny, 
it was scary in a few moments and it did a lot of world building, but there's still a lot more world building to go, right? This massive franchise. Yeah. I love this movie mostly because of the experience I had watching it. We took my niece and my nephews to go watch it. They had a world of fun. And I remember this is dumb, but this is one of those little things that like makes the day for me. We took them to go buy candy at the dollar store, right? Right before, right? Yeah. So we go and one of my nephews tells me, uh, and this is my family name. He says, Dito, should I get a crunch or a Jolly Rancher? And when I said both, his face just lit up. Like, I can have <laughs> fuck yeah, I'm your uncle. Of course, let's go. That's, um, that's, that's, that's what an uncle does, goddammit. <laughs> and it made this movie and this whole thing a family affair. Like, go watch the video review. My nephews are in it because, one, they both, like, love YouTube. They like spending time with me. They love my office. It's just, it's, it was a great family day for me. And like, this yeah. movie, Five Nights at Freddy's, it was lambasted by critics and it didn't deserve it because it was a fun movie. It wasn't trying to be the next horror epic. It's, hey, guys, this is step one. There's a lot of stuff to do. I also didn't mind the story of the whole he's trying to save his he's trying to figure out who took his little brother. Surprise, bitch. It was her dad. I, I didn't dislike any of it. I thought it was fun. I think William Acton's going to be a great villain in the future. I think it was a great experience. When I watched it in theaters, it was opening day, well, opening weekend, and it was a Saturday at like 11 o'clock, and the theater was fucking packed, and the crowd was all into it. I remember when MatPat popped up, like the whole crowd was like, ah, and it just, it's, sometimes the experience adds more to the film than the film itself. The film as by itself is good, but when you add in everything, it's more than some of its parts. Uh, that's why it's my number 10. Of course. I saw that with Jess. I remember uh, we got like matching t-shirts with like <laughs> Freddy. And yeah. uh like a year ago I had given her like a like a little Freddy plush because she loves the game, so she loves like the, the fandom and everything. Mm-hmm. And we went to see it and uh it was so fun to watch not only watch the movie, but like watch her watch the movie. Uh-huh. Cause she had like her plush and she was like holding it and like turning it every moment. It was it was so fun, it was such a blast. Honestly, one of the best. It was one of the best like movie theater experiences of the year. Good. So, yeah, I I will agree. It's on my honorable mention. I I did have a lot of fun with it, but mm-hmm. I think I have a feeling that if they do us, they make, when they make a second one, it's gonna go insane. It's gonna take it to the next level, and I cannot wait for 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 it to go that that, I that way. So. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your number ten. My number ten, sir. Your number nine, please. Number nine, you mentioned uh, we had good experiences in the theater. We also had great streaming experiences. This was a streaming movie that, not going to lie, I would have adored to have seen this in the theater. But it was pretty nice to see it in theaters. Yes, yes, it is Nimona. It is, of course, it is Nimona. Oscar-nominated Nimona. It was okay? nominated. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature. Yes. And how, like, before I talk about how great the movie it is, is the history of how the movie got made could be a movie in itself. How it was being done by Blue Sky, how it was killed by Disney when they acquired Blue Sky, and then it was picked up by Annapurna, uh, distributed by Netflix, and then it got nominated at the Oscars, which are hosted on ABC, which is owned by Disney. And they got nominated and not Wish, because this movie is actually really freaking good. Nimona tells the wonderful story of a really unlikely friendship, uh, uh, a disgraced knight, and this crazy, batshit, insane, transforming girl 
who form an incredible friendship and they take on the world together back to back. And it's such a great story about acceptance and about change and about the status quo and about what uh, what the way that we present ourselves to the other. And it's done in this beautiful, beautiful animation that I, I'm so, I, I mentioned it when I talked about Ninja Turtles, but I'm so glad it's popular. I'm so glad it's popping. I'm so glad this is the future of animation. Some people are, are like, ah, oh, this style is going to get old. Not for me, man. Not for me. I want this art style injected into my veins. Okay. I want to live in a world that looks like this. And Nimona was just another piece of the puzzle. And I'm so glad it exists. I'm so glad it's got the attention. I'm so glad uh, Netflix saved it. I'm so glad everyone involved got, got, got to be in it. Good for Indy Stevens. Like, good for them. Like, they wrote this little comic in the little home. And then now it's like an, an Oscar nominated picture. I'm so excited for them. I'm so happy that this movie exists and I'm so glad people just keep discovering it. I love Nimona and it's my number nine on the list. Do you, do you think um, Netflix is going to turn into a full franchise? I know there's... No, I don't think so. Huh? Um, I, I, I don't think so, mostly because there's not another novel, but HBO Max is doing a series on another, on another indie uh, comic. It's called Lumberjanes. So we're going to have more indie to go. It's just going to be, uh, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. If Max doesn't end up throwing it in the trash. I doubt it. They need help. So I doubt <laughs> it. Netflix needs to to franchise Nimona. Like, I mean, yeah. They need to franchise tag it because they need bankable franchises. That's why they're like, please Stranger Things a little bit longer. It's like, no, stop, stop. Yeah. Uh, but no, I we'll get it. it. Nimona, you're number nine? Nine. Nine, fair. Uh, I will see your number nine, and I'll raise you another number nine. Um, the Iron Claw. Welcome to my world. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, in case it's not clear, in case it's not clear by the wrestling show I do with Fernie every other week, we call the Eleven Count. Go check that out uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, I've been a massive wrestling fan since I was 12. I'm 30 now, so there's a lot of stories in wrestling that I know about that the general public do not, like backstage stuff that's happened and whatnot. There's a lot of great wrestling stories, and I'm so glad that this one was told. And it's mostly accurate. The film shows the toll that the business, the wrestling business, takes on its performers, on its families, on its people. But more than anything else, it's also about the tragic story of the Von Eric family, a tragic story that is worthy of cinema. It's up there with the Kennedys, I'd argue, if not maybe more so because more. Kennedy! Kennedy! No, Anderson! Is it, is it with Lantina? Whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it shows the struggles that these people go through, but also like it humanizes them because you just see these figures on TV and that's it. You see them for 10, 20 minutes at a time. That's it. They cease to exist. No, they're human beings behind it. And you see the stories that they go through, the things that they deal with. Um, it's just, it's a heartbreaking, amazing film that people need to watch. And it's batshit crazy to me that, believe it or not, and again, I know this because I'm so in connected with the, with uh, the wrestling uh, industry. Get this. So one reason why certain wrestling channels have issues getting on the air, even though they draw ratings are because of advertisers, advertisers today, not 
20, 30 years ago, today, think, and I quote, wrestling fans don't have a lot of um, disposable income and are typically of the lower IQ. Fancy words for saying they think wrestling fans are poor and stupid. They don't respect the industry. They don't respect all the great things that they're able to do. Even though certain wrestlers like Batista, John Cena, and The Rock have broken through mainstream, the industry is still not respected. Look at what happened with The Wrestler. Great film. Oscar nomination. No wrestling films since then, except for this. You can argue Paige, but th that was WWE propaganda, and I'll fight anyone that says otherwise. Um... But there are more stories to tell. Tell the story of Roddy Roddy Piper and, and his upbringing. And the I would love that there. one. Yeah. Roddy Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Hulk Hogan, Austin and his broken neck. Fucking, I dare you to do a 10-part limited series, an hour episode each of Vince McMahon's life. And finish with him getting kicked out of the WWE. Like what just happened literally, I'm not shitting you. A week ago? Less than a week yeah. ago. Six days ago. Yeah. There's so many stories to be told. And I appreciate the fact that the Iron Claw took it seriously and showed their lives. Also, Zach Efron was was uh, was snubbed. He was snubbed. When I uh, locked the movie into my letterbox, my review was, uh, if Zach Efron doesn't get, uh, doesn't get nominated for an Oscar... No, what was it? It was a... Uh, what did I write? I was proud of what I wrote. I said... Uh, shit, what did I say? I said, uh, if Zach Efron is not nominated for an Oscar, it will be a travesty. If he does not win, it would be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, you know what I would love to see? And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be needed to be a pretty ballsy person who's going to have to do it, but... I would love to see a Chris Benoit uh, movie or like a documentary or like a series or something. That so, would be amazing. Crazy enough. I know, I know Lexi Alexander was going to do it, but I don't know what happened to that. Like, yeah. I think the property was just too toxic. Or maybe the family doesn't want it to happen. Maybe the Benoit movie might not happen until maybe his parents pass. Because his son is still alive. Like, he had yeah. two sons. Yeah. Um, did you see... Uh, did, did I send you that TikTok? Which one? It was like a TikTok that was like uh Oh the uh, Rumble? Was, no, 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 no. It was it, it was it was a guy who's like uh was like, wow, look at your pants. 2006 called. And then he gets us his phone and he's like, <laughs> Chris Benoit did what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one. I saw were you the one that sent me the other one about the rumble and Benoit? I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, counts down to one. Da 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 da. If I wanted to fuck with the WWE and I was a production guy, I would do that. Just like, <laughs> you know what? I just won the lottery. They're not going to know. Throw out for number 30, Ben Wall's music. And just see how uh, long it takes for them to be able to stop. <laughs> Pull the cords that way they can't turn it off. Be pretty They're funny. Oh, holy. Oh, God, that would be hilarious. Anyway. All right. So that's your number nine. Number nine. Yes, sir. You're number eight. Number eight, I could not have chosen a more different movie, but, uh, dude, I rewatched this pretty recently thinking like, did I imagine how good that was? Like, is it all in my head? Let me rewatch this. And now if I could give this like 20 out of 10, I would. And 
it comes from an unlikely source, but yeah, it's Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm bringing it back. I kept it on the list. Yes. I I said this in our review. I said this in our review. I was completely charmed by this movie. I thought it was so sincere, so honest, so uh, so quirky, so funny, so uh, just one of those movies that like fills you up with life. Like I, I adore this movie. I it's a movie that generally uh, as as timeless as the holdovers feels. Uh, this also feels timeless, but it's more my style, which is weird because it's a movie about a teenage girl like discovering adolescence. But I felt so like I, I know, I know, and I don't give a shit. Like this was so good, this was so charming, it was so well written, it was so well acted. To me, Rachel McAdams was snubbed for best supporting actress in this movie because she was incredible. She gives it their all, uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't have much to say if you uh, besides the obvious. Listen to our review because that's where I say everything. Uh, but I adored it. I think the performances are great, the acting is great, the writing is great. It's a, it's a, to me, it's a perfect movie. So yeah, I tell you, there, God, it's me, Margaret, number eight. You just reminded me of a quote from Film Speak, and I think you're right, and I'm agree with you on this one. He said he was talking about Saltburn, um, and yeah. he mentioned, I think one of the positives I can take away from this is that the movies are healing. Cinema is healing because in 2023, the big franchises took did take a step back. A lot of them did. Fast yeah. and Furious didn't perform as well. Mission Impossible didn't perform as well. All the superhero films didn't perform as well. Like, yeah. it, it felt like someone was healing. And I think this is one of those films that shows it. Because you... Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is not a massive billion-dollar franchise spanning decades. It's just a wholesome little movie that did well. And sometimes yeah. that's all you need. And that's all you need. The, the mid-budget film is back. Yeah. And I'm so happy that it is. So, yeah, this is a movie that I hope leaps again through generations, much like the book has. So, yeah, it's my number eight. You know, I think I like the holdovers about as much as you love uh, Are You There, God, Is Me, Margaret. Like, to me, they're, they're a bit on the same span of, like, mid-budget, yeah. good story, not one. Yeah. But I get you. Yeah. Um, that was your number eight? Number eight. All right, my number eight. Um. I apologize because there's a very good chance this is somewhere on your top 10. I know this is on your top 10. Uh, but it happens to be my number eight, uh, Bottoms. Yeah, I fucking love Bottoms, man. I just rewatched it a couple days ago, man. It was so fun. It is. So, like, okay. <clears throat> this feels like a weird hybrid of 90s films where a few high schoolers are trying to go with some cheerleaders that are way out of their league. and there's But there's so much more to it than that. Uh, and... I love the fact that the cheerleaders are standouts because they're not complete bitches, but they're treated as actual people. They change as the story goes. You think, like in most typical stories, it's, oh, it turns out the lesson is she's a complete bitch. You should have gone for the nerd next to you or something like that. Not at all. They're treated as actual people with their own agency. Also, they just happen to be gay. Well, three of them are gay. The the two main girls and one of the cheerleaders. The other one, the other cheerleader is straight. Uh, which is fine, too. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the jocks are played out as these masculine assholes that are pretty true to life, if we're being honest uh, with each other. <laughs> um, and all I can say is, I, I especially love that one stupid-ass line that makes complete sense that's so hypocritical. I love and support women, especially the hot ones. Especially like, the hot ones, yeah. 
Like, yes, I get it. It's beating you over the head with the message. But sometimes if you deliver the line right and it's funny as fuck in the right film, it always works. Um, the main characters are funny as hell. There's so much uh, subversion. Uh, the girls fight club being the shit out of each other is awesome. I love the part when they fight the opposing teams, uh, yeah. the opposing town's football team on the field. But I will die on this hill. They should have let Jeff die. <laughs> fuck them they should have let jeff die <laughs> but like even the fucking pineapple part is like it's so subtle it's so small it's played for such a tiny little thing but yet it has such a massive uh impact on the whole thing so no bottoms is my number eight but fuck was it a great movie it was a great movie and a shout out to marshall lynch who i cannot wait to see more movies <laughs> Yeah. Just, just shout out to Beast Mode. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's your number eight, right? Yes, sir. You're number seven. I feel like between you there, God is me, Margaret, and Bottoms, and with my number seven, we're gonna hit like a really nice. We're in touch with our feminine side, which is great. Oh, God. And number seven could not have been the biggest one this year. I mean, we were gonna talk about it at some point. Might as well. My number seven is Barbie. It's it was such a blast. It was exactly what the trailers promised. It's exactly what 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 Greta, uh, Greta Gerwig jumped to after doing uh, Lady Bird and Little Women, and now she does she does Barbie. She got like all this money and was like, "I'm gonna make the most fucking pink shit I've ever seen in my life, and <laughs> I'm gonna make people love it." And guess what, Greta? We all loved it. This was so fun. It was so sentimental. It was. So, like, the production design was amazing. The performances were great. The metaphors and the messages were really, really well done. The music was great. Uh, the performance, just... Uh, Margot Robbie as Barbie is spot on, and Ryan Gosling as Ken is one of the funniest things, I think, ever. Like, Ryan Gosling plays is so good at playing just, like, this really good dramatic characters... But it's it's comedy where he where he lands because between uh, the nice guys and this, I don't know why people don't don't, don't choose him for not for not comedies. This man is just so funny. So yeah, number seven is Barbie. It was one of the best experiences in the theater also because it was a room that was so full of joy and pink, and uh, it was just so great. And uh, uh, I had such a blast. So yeah, number seven. Is Barbie. It's the most talked about movie of the year. It's the highest grossing movie of the year. And it deserves it. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, No, I get it. I completely understand. Um, My number seven. Yeah. Um, is actually my highest animated film. And I hope. Um, hope this isn't taken wrong. My number seven is Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, sorry. Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yeah um make your own future make your own past so yes i know that's a flash quote but i still think this is a great quote that defines the story of miles morales um this isn't really a movie but it's more of a two character film um on one part we get the tragedy of gwen stacy as spider gwen and her struggles with her father which i maintain you're a bad parent if you see your kid and you still have your gun trained on them i, I stand on that hill fuck that uh even if they are a vigilante Put the fucking gun down. That's your daughter. That said, Miles has a complicated relationship with his family and with his heritage and with his school. And that's a lot to juggle, not to mention being a fucking superhero. Add on that being one of the anomalies that Miguel O'Hara 
really fucking hates in his perfect Spider-Verse. I mean, God, imagine being told you need to allow your father to die so that the story can continue. Fuck you. No. Miles might be the most Spider-Man of them all because he chooses to go forward. What does he say? I'm going to make my own path. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. Um, great music, a great cliffhanger at the end. I can't wait to see the third part of this. I'll say it. This is an epic. Like, not as in, oh, man, that looks epic. No. This is the traditional story of an epic being a super long film, a very long story meant to be told in one long sitting. Like, The Godfather's parts one and two when you piece them together. This film feels equivalent to an epic. Um, the art's amazing. There's just so much greatness to this. Um, I would say... I, I've always considered myself more of a DC guy. I've always enjoyed, you know, Batman and Superman stories a lot more. Miles Morales might be my favorite current Marvel character. Maybe after Captain America, but still, that's a that's a high bar. I'm a Boy Scout, so I relate to Captain America. Yeah. Damn, if Miles Morales is not a modern day icon, and genuinely, I hope he continues. He is, and I, this is going to sound cliche as fuck. He is an inspiration to young minority kids. You know, yeah. he is. So I, I really hope that continues. But yeah, Across the Spider-Verse is my number two. Two? I'm sorry. Across the Spider-Verse, I put number two, uh, is my number seven. No, seven, seven. Got it. Not bad. All right. Number seven. My number six, I can guarantee you, you don't have this one on your list. Probably not. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I mean, it's not a bit of a hit. Uh, the previous movies that I talked about, as much as, you know, they are, like, uh, more bigger. They're, they're, they're bigger movies, bigger budget. This one is very small budget, very low-key, no action. It's mostly just conversations and a lot of silences and what those represent and what those transpire. And But they end up making one of the most sentimental things that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm so glad that it's getting a lot of attention. And that movie is Past Lives. Knew it. Past Lives, directed by Celine Song, her debut for directing. This is a woman that has never directed another movie, another short film. She's only directed theater. And she comes... Well, she directed uh, the show... Uh, what's it called? The... Uh, I forgot the name of the show, but it's a show on Amazon based on some books. I forgot the the name. Anyway, uh, yeah, Korean-Canadian director. She's a playwright, and she wrote this movie starring Greta Lee, uh, T.O.U., uh, and John McGarrow. And it's such a powerhouse. It packs so many punches in just the question of what if. What if you bumped into someone that was very important in your life before, and if they had stayed in your life, they would have been super important, but they're not. And you cannot go back in time to change it. And you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have your current life or your past life. And that's okay. And it's about accepting that and about letting go both from on, on both sides. But it's also a lot about race relations. And it's a lot about adult, like this is a very adult movie, but not in like a sex and drugs kind of kind of adult movie. Like a kid is gonna watch this and be bored because it's not the same. Like this hits this hits me because of the age that I am also, and because I am a bit of a romantic. So the fact that this this movie exists 
and answers and talks about things that I think about constantly. It's very good for the melancholic. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're ever feeling that way, and if the before movies are just a little too optimistic, this is going to hit you right in the gut. Uh, this is a great movie. It's nominated for Best Picture, and it's fantastic. And I'm so glad that it's getting the attention that it's it's getting. Uh, so my number six is Past Lives. Oh, man, we're going to go from one extreme to another. To another. Oh, God. Um, to go from a very quiet um, film with conversations, very intimate, to a movie about uh, the man who moved the earth. My number six is Oppenheimer. Oh, God. Yep. Go for it. Uh, so this is also the perfect prequel to Godzilla Minus One. I just want to do that. <laughs> Uh, this movie doesn't glorify war. It's more of a think piece into the mind of the man who essentially brought humanity its most destructive weapon ever created and his emotional guilt. Um, Oppenheimer, I think, is... <clears throat> Oppenheimer, I think, is more than anyone else an optimist because he thinks he can control it. He thinks that he still has a say on how the bomb is used, when the bomb is used. And the shock and, and the horror on his face when he realizes... This ain't your baby anymore. It's out of your hands. We're going to drop it where we feel like. We'll take you under observation, but we're going to see what we want to do. And just, they have, they show us the meeting where they're picking what cities to destroy. Like nothing, like, 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 like dust in the wind of just like, imagine this conversation. So should we blow up Boston or New York or LA? We could do Denver, Colorado. That's a lot of people. But there's mountains. I know we should blow up Boston. Imagine the casualness that you have when having that conversation about murdering hundreds upon thousands of people. And it's unfortunate because he's also so naive and you feel bad for this guy because he thinks we will usher in a new age of peace. You, He really thinks that. He thinks by having the biggest gun, everyone's going to stop fighting. No. Everyone else wants the big gun in in retaliation. Um, God, it's it's sad to watch to a certain degree. Visually, it's amazing, but Killian Murphy's performance is a, a ten out of ten. His performance, at the very least, he should be nominated as well. Zac Efron and Killian Murphy should be nominated, both of them. Um, Killian Murphy is nominated. Good. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, in my perfect world at the Oscars, like yeah. the two guys I would have pushed. Um, it's a career-defining performance, and I think the way that everyone looks at Leonardo DiCaprio and they see Jordan Belford, I think from this point forward, Killian Murphy is Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, man, I, I, and it's also insane to think that Christopher Nolan, like an amazing director, great writer, um, got people into a theater to watch a three-hour think piece about the atomic bomb. I remember watching this in IMAX and. It was packed. There was no seating available. So for people to do that, I think I went to go watch it at 11 o'clock on Sunday night. For that to happen? Yeah. Absolutely goddamn insane. Also, and also, the movie's coming back right now to IMAX, and it's full again, by the way. I it's, It is a legitimate film meant for IMAX. It's like, look, watching the Avengers on your phone is fine. It's fine. But in reality, the best way to to watch like Avengers Endgame is an IMAX. In that same sense, Oppenheimer, the best way to watch it is an IMAX. Because also, I guarantee you, 
you don't have the sound system that these theaters have. When that bomb hits, it sounds like a million gunshots going off that shook the theater. I heard it while watching Barbie the day before. <laughs> I remember Barbie's just talking and then I'm nowhere. I'm just like, oh, that's Oppenheimer. <laughs> I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, Oppenheimer, my number six. And we are halfway there. We are halfway there. All right, that's your number six. Oh, by the way, you mentioned uh, Oppenheimer is a good prequel to Godzilla minus one. Uh, I'll go. I'll put Oppenheimer in the middle. You should watch. Uh, have you seen The Wind Rises? I have not. But you, do you know what it is? Not. Never even heard of it. So The Wind Rises is a previous movie that Miyazaki did before The Boy in the Heron. So when he the last time that he said he was going to retire, it's an animated biopic about the about the the guy who created the the warfighter plane that Japan used in World War Two. Huh. So okay. you can watch this. Then Oppenheimer, and then Godzilla minus one, and you have like a weird, <laughs> weird World War Two uh, <laughs> uh, through the through the artist's eye, if you'd like so. Also, I think you just like Wind Rises. I think it's got a lot of philosophy and a lot of really good stuff. I'm down to give it a chance anytime. Yeah. All right. So that's your number six. Number five. I can't believe I have this higher than you. Uh huh. The Iron Claw. Really? Okay. I I adored the Iron Claw. Uh, I saw it with you. I saw it in theaters with you. I mean, you had seen it before, but like I saw it with you. Yeah. And man, ever since I saw it, I have not stopped thinking about it. I knew nothing about the Von Erics before watching this movie. Like I, like I knew about them when I saw that it was announced, and I was in it because of well, it's a twenty four, and I like the actors and. I was like, sure, I'll I'll, I'll watch this. I'm 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 I'm, in, I'm interested. And my God, this the story of these brothers and this family, and it's more about what goes on in the ring is what goes on in real life. And uh, it was so intense, so uh, incredible that this is a true story, and that it's not even the complete story. That there's so much more. But they decided to just cut up, trim up the fat because it, it, it would have been too depressing. Since, yeah, because it's not depressing either way. Uh, they cut out into the death, by the way, folks, in case you didn't know. Yeah, another brother. <laughs> and like, but this movie was so good and it was so well done. Like, it, kept, it, it was like two and a half hours and it kept me interesting every second. The ending is one of the biggest gut punches I've ever had in a movie. And like it's a movie that made me feel for the first time something that I've never felt before. And I told you this when we were walking out. You you asked me like, "Are you okay?" And I was just looking at the ground, and I was like, "I don't have brothers. Like I don't know what it's like to have brothers. Like I'm never gonna know. I'm never gonna know what that's like." And then like you and Jamie were so nice. You were like, "We're your brothers, Chairman." I'm like, "You guys are my brothers, man." And like it's as close as I'm gonna. As I'm gonna get, but yeah, I I can't believe you being the wrestling fan. I can't believe you didn't have this higher. But uh, no, I I loved it. I I adore the Iron Claw, number five for me. Absolutely snubbed at the Oscars. It should have been nominated for everything. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, Kevin Bon Eric is still alive, and I got to see like a couple of interviews of him. Uh-huh. He seems like such a great guy. Like he seems like a genuinely like good dude, and I really like uh. I really like hearing his story here. Yeah, I think Zach Efron played him very well as far as being a very humble but decent human being. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, yeah. God damn. I, they need to do more wrestling uh, films, more biopics, because their stories are fucking insane. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you like this so much. I can't believe you have it higher in your list than I do. I adored it, man. Uh, it's it's coming out here on February 22nd. I'm going to take the whole family because they're because uh, my whole family is like really big, really into like sports. So any kind of sports movie they, they they like, and I cannot wait to show them this. Oh God, you're going to destroy them! I know. I can't wait. You're a fucking monster, Gemma. Jesus, I cannot wait. Um, goddamn. Okay, so my so you're that you're number five, the Iron Claw. Yes. Uh, my number five is a movie you already mentioned. I can't believe I have it higher on the list than you. Uh, Barbie is my number five. Oh, yay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let me say a few things. Yeah. When the first trailer came out for this, when the teaser trailer came out, I remember I told you guys, I don't know what the fuck this is. I watched the trailers, the official trailers. And I'm like, I have an idea, but I still don't know what the fuck is this. This movie had no business being as amazing as it was. It was a feminist film that explores the ideas of patriarchy, relationships, independence, and morality to a certain degree. It explores toxic masculinity, toxic toxic femininity, which props to you for that, for having the balls to, to look them in the eye. Um, this film runs the gambit of being funny. It's a musical. It's a drama. It gets serious, but it's satire. And I have, I'm just Ken on my workout playlist. I'm not joking. I have it. When I'm having a, a particularly tough chest day, guess what? I'm just Ken for the bench press. Every time. Um, American for a speech about how hard it is to be a woman. I understand. I'm a man. But as a man surrounded by strong women all around him, from his mother to his sisters to his wife, like, god damn. And I'm a future father. And, and I appreciate this film. Um, this movie does a lot to speak about current ideals and lessons to be taught. I got to imagine that there were a lot of young kids that saw this film. And when I say young, I don't mean five-year-old. I'm talking young teenagers, impressionable people, young people that are growing, going through puberty, figuring themselves out from positive and toxic masculinity of Ken and the patriarchy to I'm just Ken, put your hand in mine and saying, it's okay to talk about your feelings. It's okay to be different. That message for certain kids, particularly, I would say the boys, Two girls, you know, the idea that they're talking about, we have to work together. We have to stay together, protect one another. Don't tear each other down. I understand those messages have been done before, but I don't remember the last time a billion dollar film said, hey, be nicer to one another. The satire of, of, of <clears throat> we here at this company love women and the entire fucking board is nothing but guys. Yeah. Like the balls. <clears throat> to make that joke and the absolute uh, uh, absurdity there's often times where i can look at a movie and say well this is a small change i might have made barbie is legitimately a film where i can't think of a change not because there should be i'm not saying that there should be but because i can't even wrap my head around the concept of how the fuck this thing was made it's like everything everywhere all at once i don't know where this came from but i'm really glad it happened yeah i agree well, I share the same sentiment as a couple of a, a, a couple of places ago, but yeah, yeah. Um, my man, you're number four. Number four. Um, this was an uh, an animated movie came out a little earlier in the year, and 
same thing with are you there gonna be margaret I, I had to like watch it again and be like is this as good as i remembered and yes 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 it was and this is also a movie that when i was doing my rankings of the year this movie kind of never changed the spot it kind of always remained here Mm-hmm. Uh, as it should be, and uh, not a lot of not a lot of people talked about it when it first came out, and not a lot of people are, are talking about it like afterwards. But I think they should because it's a movie that has stayed fresh in my mind for a long time, and that is Susume. Really? Yeah, uh, Susume and that beautiful little wooden chair that could uh, just have stayed fresh in my mind ever since I saw it in theaters, and ever since I. Uh, uh, Rewatched it. It, it. it was put on Crunchyroll and I got to rewatch it. And this movie is a movie that reminded me of the kindness that exists in the world, of how people can heal after terrible tragedies. This movie, as, as we mentioned in the review, uh, was heavily inspired by the kids that grew up after losing family members in the uh, in the tsunami uh, uh, event that happened. Yeah, okay. in the tsunami back, back in, back in uh, 2011. And it was such a tragedy and we sometimes forget that tragedy happens to people and they don't stay the age that they happen they grow up they deal with new things and some of them go on to lead normal lives and some of them stay trapped in the darkness and in the shadows of that tragedy and there's a story about how we see tragedy again or we see someone in a in a, in a tragic spot and all we want to do is help them Susume is constantly being held by the people that she meets on her journey and all of them offer her a helping hand. And it just made me feel like, God, we are so worth saving. Like we as humanity, we are so worth it. And this movie just made me feel like that. And any movie that makes me feel like that is, is, is a good time. I love my Shink guy. He's one of my favorite directors. And I've loved all of his movies, Your Name, Weathering With You, Voice of a Distant Star, Five Centimeters Per Second. And this is just another another ring, uh, another championship ring for him. Uh, he got nominated for uh, for Best Animated Feature at the Golden Globes. Not for the Oscars, but that was a close race. So it was good to see uh, Susume get so far, just how she did in the movie. So, yeah, this is a great movie about growing up, about... Um, I was growing up in a, in a in a family where you only have like one distant family member. It's about love. It's about acceptance. It's about cats. It's about magic cats. You know the Japanese love their magic cats, and uh, it was just also funny. Like the side characters were funny. Like the aunt was great. Uh, the, the 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 scientist friend who owed him money was great. Oh, yeah, and, like this like. Like weirdly enough, a very funny movie. Also, like that scene when they when when they, they cannot put the roof on the car, and then the car kind of like crashes, and the roof finally comes out. Like <laughs> a pop of laughing in my in my in my theater. But yeah, uh, Susume is my number four. Okay, and I, I fully understand. Um, ah, okay, and we're back. All right, uh, number four, Susume. Am I correct? Yes. Perfect. Okay. You want to know what my number four is? Go ahead. There's only one possible number four, and it's John Wick four. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, no. Why? Did you think it was going to be my number one? Uh, I forgot about John Wick, to be honest with you. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. 
John Wick 4, the last run of a Shogun. John Wick doesn't talk much, but let's be honest, he does not have to. This movie has awe-inspiring action. Great, uh, probably the greatest action film series. And fuck anyone that thinks that it's actually Fast and the Furious, because it's not. It's John Wick. Nobody thinks that. <laughs> Some simples do. Um, the themes of John Wick and the consequences of his actions, the death that no one saw coming, his final moments calling for his wife, Helen, Kane killing his own brother. I was John Wick for Halloween. That's how much I love this film, this rich tapestry of a franchise that only got more beautiful, only elevated the action, and only made it look better. This movie had a side quest in the middle of it, and it was still great. This movie ran the gambit and showed multiple mini stories, mini adventures running through it. Outstanding action sequences. The Miami Hot, uh, the Hot uh, Miami Vice, is that what it's called? Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami, thank you. That scene from over the top, they used dragon shotgun shells, which is something that's damn near unheard of nowadays. They found a way to continue to elevate and I have no idea how the fuck they did that. Not to mention the fact that somehow they killed John Wick in part four. It was already confirmed that they were doing a part five. How do you do it without, without Keanu Reeves? How do you do John Wick without Mr. Wick? I know they're doing the ballerina film. That's its own thing. That's its own isolated thing. I don't know how they're going to do the next part. The director even said that they'll go through stumps where they do a John Wick movie. And they're like, all right, we're done. We're never doing it again. And then they're like, well, fuck. We have another story to do. Like they have to cool off for a few months. Um, I don't know how they're going to do the next one, but if this is the last run, I was privileged to have been around to watch four of the greatest action films ever released, all when they first came out in theaters. I was lucky <laughs> enough to watch the first one in theaters with Nikki post Valentine's Day. Like, man, John Wick is such a great franchise. It's it it shows that action movies don't have to be stupid. They can be well thought out, great stories, and you we can still have great modern day original characters. John Wick was not an existing property before the first one came out, but it was so damn good. Ah, and I'm sad because I know I'll never get a franchise quite as good as this ever again. <laughs> It's it's a real possibility. Honestly, for a movie that should have been just like a bargain bin movie, the first one, I can't believe it got like rescued and it's become one of the one of the best modern day action series of all time. Like, how often can you say that the movies only get better? Remember how beautiful this movie was when he was in Tokyo against the red skyline oh, yeah. the blue lights? Remember yeah. that? Remember the battle sequences that make no fucking sense in these places that are like, why the fuck are those lights in the middle of this room? That that that's not practical. Yeah, but it looks cool. Because it looks cool. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, what was it? The the fucking even the part where they're playing cards and it's like dead man's hand. Kane uh, is somehow able to be like two nines. How the fuck do you know that? I just do. Yeah. Like goddamn. Also, like, the fact that it can be so original and so, like, without having to reference other things, like, it can be its own thing. And, God, the part where he falls from the stairs, just still, still funny. Still fucking funny. <laughs> it still fucking hurts. And, like, oh, God, the part where him and Abel climb the stairs once more as brothers, 
just to do battle. Do you know how batshit crazy that is? To be like, hey man, I know we're gonna kill each other in like two minutes, but like, you wanna help me up these stairs? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh man, just God, I I challenge anyone to find a better action franchise than John Wick. And then you're wrong because no, it's not. <laughs> All right, so that's your number four. Yes, sir. I have a vague idea of what your next movies would be, at least two of them. And uh, we're going to have to to get there, I guess. My number three, uh, this was so hard, okay? Because my top three, every day I was changing the order, okay? Uh-huh. Because I love these three movies so much that I had to make like a make like a executive decision and be like, okay, I'm gonna put them in this order. But they could honestly all be tied for number one. Okay. Uh-huh. But that's some that's just something I'm saying in order to make myself feel better because they are in this order. <laughs> Disclaimer. Because because I am not I am done lying to you and I am done lying to myself. Okay. Okay. So number three, this was my number one for so long. But Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is my number three. Okay, this there it is. was such a tour de force. This was such... This is the genre of animation grabbing you by the collar and being like, look, 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 <laughs> motherfucker, look! Like, this is what it's possible. If you just fucking pick up a pencil, look what can happen, man. Arms! Look! Art, like I was, I was becoming like that guy from the Iron Giant who's like art, you know, like I was just on a year where we felt lambasted by the rise of AI and so-called AI creators trying to create art out of nothing. This is such a pinnacle of like you watch this and you go like, no computer could think about this. This came out of souls. This came out of like human interaction. This came out of love for a franchise and for a character that is constantly evolving, that each one of us feels identified with, at least in some way. There's a Spider-Man out there for all of us. And this movie just represented that and showed that in ways that no other movie can. This was such an, you said it, it's an epic. It's almost three hours and you can tell this movie's good because we were sitting there for three hours and the movie cuts and it says to be continued. And literally my whole theater just stood up and we were like, no, come on. Like, why? <laughs> no, like, no. Like, we were ready to be sitting there for another three hours. We were ready, man. Like, we were so in the zone. That's how good a movie is where it keeps you like that. And my God, you said it yourself. Miles Morales is a modern icon. All these characters are great. The fact that we get to see all these Spider-Man just flying together on a world where we're so overblown with multiverse stories. This one is the one that made it popular from the beginning with Into the Spider-Verse. And it still keeps it going. Shout out to literally everyone that was involved in this movie you all deserve fucking Oscars. This was great. Congratulations. You have all my money. I'm gonna I, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> I don't think you're alone, man. I think there's uh I, I have a bunch of the pops actually. I have four of them. Um uh, yeah? 
I I got to imagine. Uh, bear in mind, I I think the spots numbers one and two are Batman, Superman. Right? They can scoop those out, whatever. Slot three is very clearly like Spider Man, right? Yeah. Peter Parker. I would say Miles Morales is very much catching up. Yeah. If not, maybe surpassing because I'm pretty sure Spider Man three, the video game, might just be a Miles Morales story. It might not include Peter Parker. Yeah. Maybe they're slowly transitioning into that, which I don't hate that idea. I don't hate the idea of Peter actually passing the torch and being like, it's your turn. That would be a very nice change of pace. It would be great. And, you know, I play the game. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a great time with it. I think the gameplay is incredible. But, like, uh, yeah, it does end in a... I'm guessing you saw, like, a video essay or, like, a review or something or, like, a gameplay. A couple. And, uh I, yeah. I know I don't like uh, the Colgate uh, uniform. I'll just say that. Oh, the uh, yeah, not not everyone liked that. It was very much an Adidas uh, product placement. <laughs> um, but no, that game was super fun, and yeah, I can't wait for the third one, and I can't wait for the third uh, Spider Verse as well. But yeah, but that's my number three. Fair, okay. My number three is something you already did mention. It was on your, it was in your honorable mentions. Funny enough, actually, John Wick 4 and my number three is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Amazing. Cannot believe that. Okay. Um, I do I did limit myself to to like one comic book film per company, like per top 10. Yeah. Like I had to limit myself. Um, well, there are years where like my top 10 would have been filled with comic book films. This was not one of those years. Yeah. Um, but Guardians 3. A lovely image. Um, a really sentimental. Uh, I this movie got me emotional in a lot of sequences. We saw the tragic and damn near like emotionally torturous origin story of Rocky Raccoon. Um, and him coming to terms with being a raccoon. Because remember, every time they call him a raccoon, he's like, Fuck you, I'm not a raccoon, my name's Rocket. And he finally takes that name on when he says the name's Rocket. Rocket Raccoon. It's him. I don't want to say claiming his name, but accepting himself for who he is and his origin. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys here. Part of what made me very emotional is the fact that Rocket Raccoon does remind me a lot of my three dogs. Like, believe it, like, long snout, bug eyes, adorable little bastard that thinks he's tougher than his size. Uh, you're, you're a foot tall. Calm down. But... Man, this movie made me sentimental and loving. It's also such a lovely family story. A story about moving on for Peter Quill, letting go of Gamora. A story about them. This is weird because I remember going into this film, everyone knew Guardians were going to die. The question was not who. The question question was not if. The question was who. Is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be Gamora? Is it going to be Drax? Is it going to be Rocket, possibly? Is it going to be everyone thought that they were going to die. I assumed Rocket was going to die till we had that beautiful scene of um you know, can I go with you guys? And she and uh I think it's not Floor, it's um not Floor, not Teeths. Ah, oh, what's her name? What's her name? The Otter. Uh the Otter? Yeah. It's the Otter. Just say the Otter. It's fine. I'm so sorry. I, I can't remember the name. Lila. Lila's her name. Yeah. And she says like yes but not yet. And just my heart, just like I'm, I'm bawling at this point because Rocket's about to pass away. He breaks our heart because his first, his first word is hurts. Like, yeah. Ah, why? Um, 
and he's in this emotionally and physically abusive relationship with this piece of shit called the High Evolutionary, which I will go on record as stating he's a worse villain than Thanos. Thanos may have snapped out half the universe, but this piece of shit tortured animals for the shits and giggles. Fuck this other guy. Thanos said it himself. Mercy. Um, but anyway, yeah, we assume that some of the Guardians are going to die. And they earn the right to not die. None of the Guardians die in this film. They instead go off to grow because sometimes that's what happens. We have a great time in high school or in college with our group of friends. But life inevitably happens where we have to split up and go our separate ways and see each other if and when we can. You know, the Guardians all break up and they go, and they don't go on bad terms. There's no, by no means is there a fuck you, I'll never see you again. No, it's simply, I need to go do my thing over here and figure myself out. Okay, so do I. And it's it's just heartwarming, it's touching, it's lovely. James Gunn, I trust him fully with the DCU because of this film. Like, if you didn't trust him because of how great all the other movies are, this movie, outstanding. Outstanding all the way around. Yeah. Somehow Rocket is like the best character, the most the best and arguably the most fleshed out character in the MCU now. I don't know how he did that, but he did. All right. That's your number three. Yes, sir. My number three. You're number two. Number two. I hope you're proud of me. Uh-huh. It's Godzilla minus one. Yes. This is this. Was such a trip. This was no like nothing could have prepared me for the absolute amazingness that was Godzilla minus one. I have seen several several of the Godzilla movies, both American and Japanese, and still nothing could have prepared me for this. This was emotional. It was heavy. It was fun. It was eclectic. It was original. It looked incredible. I'm going to quote you what friend of the show Jimmy said about this movie because he saw it after you and me saw it. And I told him, like, dude, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And he's like, ah, whatever. And then he went to see it and he texted, no amount of dude, it's such a good movie could have prepared me for how much this movie blew the hair out of my balls. It was such an incredible movie i can this is a movie that is genuinely for everyone like everyone should watch this movie if there is one thing that we all gain from this list is go watch godzilla minus one it's on its last week in theaters right now Mm-hmm. And then it's gonna go away. I think it's just it's just it just came back for the uh for the minus color version and then it's gonna go away. But my god, watch Godzilla minus one. It is an achievement in h- human history, it is an achievement <laughs> in human art artistry, it is such an empathic movie, such an such an original take on Godzilla, such a modern and timeless take on Godzilla and also on the effect that it has on the human race. And I watched it with Jess as well. And we were not prepared because the movie ended and we just looked at each other and we were just bawling, just bawling, man. It was, (laughs) 
amazing. It was such a great memory that I think we're both going to hold on to. And uh, I I'm never going to forget this one. This, this is one. This is why I say that this year was one for the books. My God, if you have not seen Godzilla minus one, it is exactly as good as people say it is probably even better. And that is the highest price that I can give it. It's on number two on my list, but I have a feeling that I'm going to be constantly coming back to it in the following years. So yeah, number two, Godzilla minus one. I have a guess on what your last two movies are, but I, yeah, want, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder. So go right ahead. I just noticed four is John Wick four. Guardians 3 is number 3. Number 2 is Aquaman 2 and The Lost Kingdom. You are a liar! Yeah, I am. What a liar! Mine is 1, actually. What? Really? Godzilla minus 1 is my number 2. Oh, my God. Okay. So, I thought it was going to be the other one. Okay. So, so you know you, you know what I felt like after I watched Godzilla minus 1 and I found out about, you know, oh, it's going to come to the U.S. And I saw it and I saw the, how packed the theater was. You know what was my first thought? It's gonna it's gonna pull the hair out of my balls. No, 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 no. <laughs> have you ever seen Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yes, I have. Okay. Uh, in honor of Captain Holt, vindication. <laughs> yeah. For being a fan, like I, I will beat this horse until it's dead, and I'll keep going. I've been a fan and loved Godzilla since I was a small child. Fuck Jurassic Park. Those dinosaurs can go suck a dick. Godzilla <laughs> murder all those bastards without using his atomic breath. I loved Godzilla growing up. So to not have any new Godzilla stuff for about 10 years between Final Wars and 2014, it sucked, but I understood. Then we got Hollywood Godzilla, Legendary's Godzilla. I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. And then we get Shin Godzilla. I'm like, oh my God, this might be like the best one since the original. The blockbuster ones have their own thing going on. But Shin Godzilla was such a statement piece of what an art piece Godzilla could still be. Because that's what it's initially meant. It's not meant to be Big Lizard. Wow. It's meant to be a metaphor. It's meant to be a lesson. It's meant to be more than some of its parts. So when I saw Godzilla Minus One, I remember going in thinking, like, I hope this is a good monster movie. Like, I hope this is good. It, it's not exactly a remake of the original, but it's about as close as you're ever going to get. But man, this movie was so amazing. A legitimate icon. This is the first Godzilla film to be nominated for an Oscar, by the way. Somehow, yes. or Shin Godzilla was nominated somehow. Um, nominated for an Oscar. It looks amazing. It has an amazing emotional family story at its center. When you talk about uh, when you talk about the pilot, when you talk about uh, the woman he saved. Uh, God, Nikiko? No, Nikiko? Nikiko. Kiko. Fuck, it's been a minute since I've seen the movie. I'm sorry, guys. Although, fun fact, I've seen this movie four times. Four times in the fucking theaters. Do you know, the last time I watched the movie that many times was the Batman, and I only saw it three times in theaters. Only three times in theaters. Her name was Noriko. Noriko, thank you. Uh, when yeah. the public saved Noriko, uh, they, they're, on a, they're not officially their adopted child, somewhat. Um... You get these great action sequences, this great story, the value of life, you know, what it means, you know, how the Japanese government treated its pilots, its soldiers. We have this rally cry that says, in most films, it's always, we're going to fight to the death, right? That's the marches to the last man, 
you know, right? That that's that's what you go for. In this film, the doc says, "Tomorrow we don't fight to the death. We fight to live. We fight for the future of everyone here. We all come back together." Which I think, to the best of my knowledge, they all did, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. When they went to go battle Godzilla, and you get these crazy ass set pieces. That you would think in most situations are boring, but because you're so invested in these characters and their stories, it's all exciting. You're always biting your nails and you can't wait for the next shoe to drop. And Godzilla, for the first time in a very long time, is menacing. Not only does he look amazing, he looks fucking terrifying. He looks maybe scarier than Shin Godzilla. And to this film's credit, they don't oversize him. As much as I enjoy Legendary you lose a sense of scale when he's that fucking big. Like, you, there's no way you could do anything. There's no way a human could fight him. In this instance, a group of citizens gather together to take on this massive monster because their government won't help them because they don't care. The message of the story, they don't care. We need to do this for ourselves, for each other. And it's just outstanding all the way. Talking about PTSD and survivor's guilt, I'm grateful that this film was made and I'm so grateful that it broke through so many social limits because for a long time you were ashamed to be a Godzilla fan. It wasn't mainstream. It was something that you just you keep the DVDs in the back. And now he's at the forefront and I'm so grateful for that. Godzilla minus one is my number two, but honestly, numbers one and two, as much as you were swapping around your numbers one and two and three, yeah. my numbers one and two can flip-flop every day. I love one because of what it meant to be an icon, and the other one, oh, well, we'll get to that in a sec. All right. Well, I guess if there's a lesson learned from this, go watch Godzilla Minus One. It, it ended up in both of our lists at the same spot. And number two. So, and at number two. So, but number two is number two, and number one is number one. And this movie, my the one that I put at number one, this year... We saw a bomb, a bomb that was important, a bomb that was necessary, a bomb that was just ever present and a bomb that hopefully, you know, will remind us of our humanity every day. And this movie featured that bomb. Of course, I'm talking about the bomb that they used to blow Jeff's car in Bottoms. This, of course, Bottoms is my number one of the year. Oh, fuck, of I forgot about course. it. Of course it is. How can it not be? This was such a breath of fresh air. This was a breath mint slap in the face of a fresh air. <laughs> Di director Emma Seligman with a script co-written by her, and star Rachel Sennett, starring Rachel Sennett, A.O. Ayatabiri, who had the best year that anyone could have had this year, uh, Ruby Cruz, Havana Rose Louis, Kaya Gerber, everyone involved, in Marshall Lynch, Mouse Folder, everyone involved in this movie. I want to give you all a big hug and bake you cookies and have you over for, like, fresh lemonade. I want to, like, drink with y'all. I want... To I, if there is a four hour cut of this movie, I want to snort it. Like I adore this movie to the core. I've rewatched this movie like eight times. 
Okay, I do not get tired of how funny and how infectiously happy it makes me to watch Bottoms. I made the right choice when this movie came out and it was only available to rent or buy. I decided, you know what, I'm going to support it. I'm going to buy it. And I bought it and I have felt no shame, no, I, I, no, no feelings of going backwards. This is the most fun I've had all year with a movie. It was infectious. It's quotable. It's got the most insane scenes of the whole year. And it's a movie that, like we've said, we're going to keep coming back to it. I have been coming back to it. And I will repeatedly. Bottoms is the funniest thing that I saw this year. It's also weirdly one of the most heartfelt one of the most original. It captures that energy of the sex craze comedies of the 2000s, but also like keeps it updated for a modern audience. It's so accessible. It's so funny. It's so ridiculous. And not a cell phone in sight, not a modern reference in sight. No need to include a TikTok montage or a, a, a scene where everyone goes viral. It's just funny for the sake of being funny. I could not have enough of this. I actually sat down and read the whole screenplay one time. And the screenplay is Jesus. longer than what happened in the movie. So that means that either there's a cut where it's longer or they just improv a lot and cut a lot while, while, while recording it, which I hope it's the first. Uh, Bottoms represents everything I love about the movies. It represents an original small scale a tour doing what she wants. And this movie, you know, it had very little uh, attention, very little promotion, but man, it deserved all the attention that it got and it deserves even more. This to me was snubbed for best original screenplay because my God, how do you even start writing lines like this? Um, I adored it. These characters are perfect. These characters are pure. I had the time of my life watching Bottoms and I will keep rewatching it as often as possible. Is it is it better than Godzilla minus one? I don't fucking know. But I had I had it's not a competition. It's just what I like. And to me, Bottoms was my favorite movie of 2023. So there we go. Number one, Bottoms. Not okay. longer at the bottom, all the way to the top. Fair. Okay. Um so you you I, I would say that we know each other pretty well, right? I, I would say we, we have a pretty good um feel on what the other like enjoys film wise. What do you think? I know you're number one. I, I of course I know you're number one. Of course. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, without I mean let, let's be real, let's just jump into it. My number one, a film that I think is more important now than we realize, and I think we will know in the future, Blue Beetle. There we go. Is my number one. And <laughs> You always have a problem that, that you always have a problem, but you always point out to me when I have like blatant favoritism for DC uh, superhero films. Um, this time is worth it. Go ahead. Go you, off. Do you, feel, do you feel like this one's worth it? No, go off. Go off. Go off. Okay. Yeah. Um, this movie is more important than I think we're giving it credit for right now. This film was fun and it was so much fun it had a new take on an old story it did the origin story but it did it differently because it incorporated us it incorporated our livelihood maybe and I'll, I'll poke fun of myself for this for a second maybe it's my age 
but there's some part of me that's wanting to get more and more in touch with my heritage, with my roots. And I fully understand, you know, you're 30 years old. What do you mean? Well, yeah, there's stuff that I I'm learning now that I don't know certain traditions that we do, certain things that happen. And so for this to be so entrenched in, in, I, I want to say Mexican, but maybe Hispanic culture, Mexican culture in general at, at, at large, for this to be so drenched as a family story, it's a Hispanic, it's a Mexican superhero story that actually incorporates a lot of us in it. Mainly the fact that it's family centric. The fact that Jaime does not experience this superhero story isolated and on his own. What he experiences, the family experiences. It's not just him. He's not in. It's like. Okay, in the first Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire, he's trying to figure out his powers, right? He's in on this by himself. He's trying to figure it out. Not in this film. That shit goes out the window immediately. The family knows who he is. They know he's Blue Beetle, and they're trying to help him. They're trying to save him. Mark, contrast with an evil corporation that's, you know, always good to go, but also a villain that's just mean for mean sake. Someone that you can almost understand because of the blatant sexism that cost her a very, not just a high-paying job, but ownership of an entire company that, frankly, she did help build. But also there's this carefree attitude of you need to sacrifice for the greater good. What the fuck have you ever sacrificed? You see the hard work that these people put in. They're so endearing. I'm his dad when they are on the cusp and the precipice of, of being broke, being genuinely impoverished and poor, he still tips 25% because it's the right thing to do because we all got bills to pay. Like those little things of taking care of each other. This is going to be a dumb thing to equate into this, but it, it's, it, it's relevant. The Valley is one of the few places that I'm aware of where if you break down, like, like if you're, if you get a flat and you go to the side of the road, Within two minutes, five different cars are going to stop to ask, are you okay? Do you need help? Because that's the attitude. We're in this to, to care for one another. Ideally so. More than anything else, also, I see my family in this. Your dad that cares too much, that loves you, that wants you to be okay, that supports you. That even when shit's going wrong, he's going to have a smile on his face because that's what heroes do. Uh, what was it? What, what does All Might say? Uh, what? What is it? What is it? He always has a smile on his face, even when he's scared, because he needs everyone else to know that's going to be okay. That's yeah. what a father does. That's what my dad always does. Even when his back is against the wall, he says it's going to be okay, and you believe him. And again, maybe it's my age, but to see that told so well in this story is outstanding. And then the heartbreaking loss. As another, as someone who's close to his father, seeing Jaime lose his dad, helpless, he can't do anything, seeing his dad in the afterlife, that tore me the fuck up on the inside. And I understand other people, it may not have, but for me, it did. This movie was hopeful and exciting and what this means for the future, not just for us, not just for the DC universe coming soon, but more than anything else, for my kids, they're going to have a hero whose last name is Reyes. Reyes, if you want to pronounce it correctly, like to have this, to, to have all these things, it just, it means the world and, and the craftsmanship that was put into it. Here's a little thing. And I'm sorry that I'm rambling so much, but like, here's a little thing. The fact that when Jaime gets home from Gotham, the first thing he wants is food because that's our culture. Like, and Fernando said it best. And when we were talking about it, 
when our cousins moved away to Austin or to, to Houston, wherever to go to college, the first thing that you did when you got home, you wanted some of your mom or your grandma's cooking. That was the first fucking thing you wanted because no one cooks like your mom or your grandma, at least in our fucking culture. So like those little things meant the world. And it just, ah, to have a hero that my kids can look at and say that that, that story feels familiar is is beautiful and i'm so appreciative to it and i can't wait for the next one i can't wait for this franchise to grow i trust that james gunn will allow it to grow he said that blue beetle will return in the dc universe i'm grateful to that i'm grateful for the stories that we're going to have going forward this movie as my number one over you know overriding godzilla minus one is because godzilla minus one is a great film from my childhood but i looked at blue beetle and i hope to god that this is the film that my kids look at and say that was my childhood. Do you know what Reyes means in Spanish? No. I was Kings. like, huh? Kings. Oh, yeah. And so I don't know. You make the connection of whatever you want, but something of a Blue Beetle felt like a victory, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, it, it pained me to cut it from my list, believe me, but I, I loved it. It was one of the most fun experiences I had in theaters. It was, uh, and I, I mentioned this in the review, the highest honor that I'm, that I can give to a movie. My dad did not fall asleep watching it. He was having <laughs> a blast. <laughs> yeah. He was having a blast while watching it. And also like we had the connection because, one of the first things that my dad and I bonded, like when I was learning English, was uh, he got a DVD of stand of George Lopez doing stand up, and we watched it a lot, mm -hmm. and it just became a thing that we bonded a lot on. So watching him in the movie, like when I told my dad, "Hey, there's gonna be a superhero movie," he, he's he's like, "Big deal!" <laughs> like there's there's a new one every month, and I was like, "This one has George Lopez in it." He's like, "I'm in, but this is it." <laughs> Like I'm in, get the tickets. Yeah. Yeah. So uh so yeah, Blue Beetle is definitely one to watch with the family and everything. It it is I called it in a review, I called it like it's a cliche superhero movie, but the thing that takes it out of being cliche is the family aspect and it's a Latino aspect. So yeah, definitely Blue Beetle is another one that I'll really like this year. And one that I like I said, if I could have done a fifth a, a top 15, I would have been very happy because I would have talked about way more movies, but mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that, those are those are our top favorite movies of the year. Those were our top tens. Man, I have a good feeling about this year. Not only in the movies that are coming out, but also in like the channel growing and and everything. And I cannot believe that we have not gotten tired of this and that we have not stopped. So I, I'm, pr I'm proud of us. Me. This this is therapeutic for me too. This is. A time where I get to have so much fun. And uh, yeah, I can't believe that we've been doing this for so long and it's still going. And we haven't gotten sick of each other and we haven't gotten sick of doing this. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for keep for not leaving. And, uh, thank you, everyone, that's still listening to this long-ass episode. Thank you, too. everyone. Thank you, everyone, that's joining us. And uh, please share your favorite movies with us. Hopefully, maybe you saw this and you thought like, hey... I should watch that. I haven't seen that. Or you're going to think, oh my God, Eddie just spoiled John Week 4. Um, you son of a bitch. 
either way, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to come back next week with a review of possibly uh, Argyle or possibly Mean Girls or possibly Saltburn. We'll see. You want to do all three? I don't think I have. I I do not drink uh, 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 energy drinks like you do, but we'll see. For now, this is the end of the fiscal year of 2023. We'll come back to talk about the Oscars when those happen at the end of Mar- at the middle of the beginning of March. But thank you so much for joining us one more time. My name is Chema. I've been Eddie. And this was their rollback. Thank you. Do we have a reminder? No, not this. Movies one. are great. That's my reminder. Movies are great. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Oh, man. Jesus.